Hello everyone and welcome to That Time When, the comedy history podcast where we take you back into history and uncover some strange, um, unusual or just plain weird events. I am your host for this week, Barnaby King, and joining me as ever is my co-host, colleague, we did this last time, uh, <laughs> Amelia Edwards. Hi! So how are you doing this week? Do you know what? I'm doing quite well. Good. And how are, how are we doing relationship-wise, do you think? We've been together, what, 11 years at this point? I would say so. Yeah. So how, how do you think we're doing? Are there any problems that we want to address in front of our audience? It seems a bit pressuring to address any problems in front of our audience. Well, I suppose so. But, you know, there's got to be... When, you, when you're in a relationship, if you have any difficulties, you want to have a nice, easy way to resolve problems, right? Yeah. Yeah. So well, what are you, what are you leading to here? I'm leading to the fact that <laughs> I don't know where I'm leading. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well so long as you're not like, oh, okay, that's it, Amelia, get out. We're breaking up. No, no, no. I'm leading I'm leading to the fact that some people have trouble dealing with problems in relationships. Now you and I, I would say, are quite good. We tend to talk out things out quite rationally. We're weirdly logical in those regards. Yeah, we're all illogical in every other regard. Oh yeah, absolutely. But you know what? what? There's an easier way to resolve differences. Really? I could sand in a hole and you could stand outside of the hole and we twat each other with blunt instruments. Okay, let's do it then. <laughs> So what I want to talk about this week is something that I think at least part of it is very well known. And it's well known thanks to things like Game of Thrones, mm -hmm. which is the idea of trial by combat. Oh, I love a good trial by combat. Yeah. So I feel like there is definitely a sort of public idea of trial by combat that is a little bit simplistic, really. Yeah. It's just this sort of idea that, you know, you can just say... It, okay, for, for those who don't know, trial by combat is the idea that it's a sort of legal defence. Yes. Where if you've been accused of something, you can't sort of come to a resolution on it, what you can do is set up and have you or a champion fight for you against the opposing side's champion yes. or person. Mm -hmm. And whoever wins, basically, they're pronounced right. Yes. I think a thing that people often miss out of this is that the idea is not saying the stronger person should always be mm. right. It's saying that God is going to choose which one's right, so the person who wins is right. Yeah, so I was going to touch on this very point, because I think there are a lot of misapprehensions about what trial by combat involves. And partly, it seems that throughout history, lots and lots of different places have had trial by combat. Mm -hmm. And as such, lots of places had different rules and regulations regarding it. Yeah. So what I'm going to be focusing on this week is a particularly German sort of trial by combat. Nice. And we go right back to the times of the Holy Roman Empire... Um, where trial by combat was surprisingly common. It was outlawed for a while, mm -hmm. um, but despite that, it still kind of went ahead between the year 967, mm -hmm. the practice was actually sanctioned by Otto the Great. What a great guy. <laughs> and then it continued uh, well on into the 15th century. Okay. Despite the fact that for a while, it was outlawed, and the Pope basically said he would excommunicate anyone who tried to do trial by combat. Was that the Fourth Lateran Council in 1215? 
Why, it was, yes. Uh You love your Lateran Council. I love the Fourth Lateran (laughs) Council, my favourite Lateran Council. And yeah, that is one of the facts I knew about it, was that actually they said you can't do trial by combat because, as any Catholics out there will know, the idea is that God does not actually work on Earth like that. (laughs) He doesn't come down and go, oh, you lost the... Like, you're going to lose the fight because you're wrong. Yeah. Like, that's not what Christians actually are expect are supposed to believe but obviously a lot of people did yeah and I, th- I think it's one of those things where it presents a really interesting idea of the medieval person's relationship with god mm. where you basically you said before like the whole point is not the strongest wins it's who god empowers to win yes. but you still want to put your strongest person in there because you don't want to like give god a hard time you no. want to make it as easy as possible for him yeah of course and the thing is that if somebody's really strong it's because god wanted that person mm. to be really strong obviously because there's this sort of almost heretical point of view that says, you know, God has determined everything that's going to happen, yeah. um, which isn't really what the church was trying to teach, but <laughs> a lot of people tend to end up believing that, and I think they still do, to be honest. Yeah. Look at the prosperity gospels. Oh, yes, that those are those, like, weird things that, like, the late-night evangelist mm-hmm. hosts on in America do, isn't yep. it? Where they're like, hey, I'm rich because God wanted to me be me to be, and he wants you to be too if you just give me your money. Yeah, it's a really um <laughs> it's a really appealing way of looking at Christianity for a lot of people, I think. Like you think if you do the right things, then you're gonna be successful. Um but that's really not in the New Testament at all. Mm. Yeah. So, as you say, the Fourth Lateran Council is the one that basically outlaws this. But it doesn't last particularly long in what we would come later to know as Germany. Mm-hmm. In 1230, so 15 years after... <laughs> God's <laughs> sake! 15 years afterwards, the Sachsenspiegel mm-hmm. recognises that it is actually important that we have trial by combat in specific cases. Now, they talk about cases of insult, injury, or theft. Okay. Which is... Quite a lot of cases, to be honest. That, that's like your main issues with other people yeah. in medieval times, Pretty for much, sure. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it, this sort of thing is quite common in other cultures as well. I'm going to bring up the Vikings because mm-hmm. you know I love to. But uh, the home gang was a form of duel which was used to settle disputes and mm. debates. And they had a very strong sort of parliamentary and uh, judiciary system yeah. that allowed for this sort of thing. And Germany basically went, yeah, we want that too. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, they were very influenced by the Vikings anyway, Absolutely. the Germans. Absolutely. So there are lots of different rules that are put in place, uh, including that the combatants are to be armed with a sword and a shield. Mm-hmm. They may wear linen and leather clothing. Okay. But their head and feet must be bare and their hands can only be protected by light gloves. Okay. The accuser is to wait the accused at the designated point of combat. And if the accused does not appear after being summoned three times, the accuser may execute two cuts and two stabs against the wind. And his matter will be treated as if he had won the fight. Nice. I, I think it's a bit unfair on the wind there. <laughs> I mean, it is. Uh, not as unfair as you might think something later is. Okay. But the Sachsenspiegel, it kind of does set up quite a culture that lasts for the next 200 or so years. Because even though 
Later on, again, around the year 1300, mm-hmm. judicial duels are outlawed again. Yeah, well, the, you can understand why. <laughs> yeah, um, basically the, the emperor at the time, the Holy Roman Emperor, uh, saw that so many people were being killed just because they weren't as skilled as their combatants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they were still popular. And they were popular enough that the German schools of fencing started developing manuals for how best to conduct and fight a duel. Nice. Okay. And in particular, we're looking at one figure called Hans Tollhofer. That's a good name. It's I a, like Hans Tollhofer. It's a very Tollhofer. good name. Yeah. He's, he's someone who's quite interesting. We actually know very little about his life other than his skill at fencing. Okay. He was kind of known to be a grandmaster of it and possibly trained under another grandmaster, but we don't really know. Mm. What we mostly know about him are his Fechtbücher. What's... What? Okay. Uh, <laughs> a Bucher must be a book. Well, books in this books. case, yeah. So Fechtbuch is the singular. Fechtbücher. Are these fencing books? They are, or more literally translated, fight books. Fight books! (laughs) I mean, colloquially, they're translated as like combat manual. Yeah. Um, But yeah, fencing books or fight books. Nice. And they detail different sorts of duels that can be fought. And not only that, but it also offers tips and like different ways that you might fight in a particular way or counter an attack or anything like that. And they're largely... Uh, just pictures. Okay. And these are like captioned pictures with, ah, this is what such and such is doing in here and this is Mm -hmm. how this person is countering or this is a way that someone is winning this particular duel because uh, another one of these things I think is often misconstrued in sort of popular culture is that these are not always fights to the death. Okay. Like the trial by combat idea can indeed be like when one person is killed but it can be to like first blood or you can even have a point scoring system i mean that makes sense to me because they had that for tournaments as well exactly yeah and there were in some cases special rules like when i go back to talking about the home gang the mm-hmm. uh, viking dueling system uh that would often be done on a cloak that had been spread out okay and a person could lose if they left the cloak so yeah. if they were knocked off or if they backed away from it it's basically like you showed cowardice, you mm-hmm. showed your like falseness of your position and so you've lost. You've been outside the ring for more than 10 seconds. Exactly, yes. Once again... Oh, but the ref was counting first. <laughs> Once again, professional wrestling takes a lot from history. <laughs> oh, dearie me. So what I particularly want to talk about in terms of Hans Tollhofer is his second great work, which was written in 1459. Okay. And in this Fechtbuch, mm-hmm. <laughs> which just sounds dirty. It really does. <laughs> he introduced a particular sort of duel that you might not expect. Okay. Now, in his, what is known sometimes as the Thought Codex... <laughs> For those who don't wait, he's got a thought codex in his Fechtbucher. <laughs> yes. For those who don't know, thought is a term used by some real assholes of men <laughs> on the internet to mean that hoe over there. And it literally translates to hoe. <laughs> there's no, there's no reason for it to have thoughted. Yeah. So it's, it's. Yeah, that's why that's why Amelia laughed when I said this, but okay. So he listed particular offences that he believed 
were grave enough to allow for a trial by combat without the intervention of the courts. Ooh, okay. Because around this time, it was very much the case that people could do trial by combat, Mm -hmm. but they would have to go through the court system first if they were peasantry. If they were nobility, they could just kind of do dueling because, you know, nobility gonna duel. Yep, you're gonna have your uh, three estates system and be like, Hmm. one rule for the nobles and a different run for everyone else. Exactly. But the peasantry would have to go through the courts first. So what do you think, given what I talked about at the beginning, what do you think a, a, a peasant might come across in their lifetime that is a problem enough to have to deal with the courts? Well, I think probably theft is a problem, to be honest. Maybe something like, I don't know, you talked about honour, and I guess that peasants are still allowed to have honour, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe another peasant has insulted you or slapped your beer out of your hand when you (laughs) were trying to have a sing-along with your Stein. Yeah. Um... I don't know, child support? Mm. Not... F- okay, so that's the bit we're going to be talking about. So the seven the seven offences that he lists are murder, treason, heresy, desertion of one's lord, mm-hmm. imprisonment, which some people theorise to mean, like, abducting someone. Yeah, that makes sense. Perjury or fraud and rape. Okay. Yeah. Hang, hang on, hang on a second, though. Mm-hmm. Hang on. So some things that are too awful to include the court include like murder yep so they're just going to go right ahead and do that without involving a court yeah they can go ahead and do trial by combat straight away that seems problematic to me i mean yes but one of the things not kind of mentioned here Mm. but something that the courts would have been involved in is essentially domestic disputes okay I mean, we did have at the end rape there, but that's not a subject we're really going to talk much about on this podcast because, you know, we want to keep it light. Yeah, we want to talk about fun things. Exactly, exactly. But domestic problems are likely to occur. I mean, while people have changed somewhat throughout history, we see that people do stay pretty much the same in many different regards. So many regards. Yeah. So domestic disputes were not on this list. But you could resolve a domestic dispute in trial by combat. So are you talking like husband and wife issues? Yes. So when, you're, when your wife thinks that you're not doing the dishes enough, <laughs> then she can challenge you to trial by combat. I mean, in particular, most of what these cases I'm looking at are divorce. Um, okay. Yeah. But yes, basically domestic disputes could be solved in trial by combat. And of course, what we're talking about here is marriage in medieval times. So we are specifically talking about one male and one female combatant. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Hans Tolhofer has very specific rules for how a duel between a husband and wife should take place. Okay. And this is where I think it is pretty evident that people at the time were pretty sexist. And also, from what I've read from other people's documentation of this, modern historians can be pretty sexist. (laughs) Okay. So, it was generally thought that if you've got husband and wife, they've gone through the court proceedings, Mm -hmm. but they haven't been able to reach a conclusion, so they've been allowed to go for a duel. Basically, the idea is that, well, the man's going to win. Because women are, you know, weaker. Feeble. Exactly. 
trained in the ways of fencing or yeah. well-educated enough to read Hans's book on the subject? Yeah, so this is one of those things where I kind of like, mm, this is, oh, bunny. <laughs> oh, he's so oh, sunny. A rabbit has just come in and it is raining outside and he is spiky as all hell. Hello, how you doing? Oh, he's a soggy boy. Um, completely threw off my train of thought just then. What was I talking about? <laughs> uh, you were talking about sexism and dualism. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, about this, yeah, this idea is that men and women are not equal when it comes to fighting. Okay. So, Hans Talhofer starts coming up with different ways to try and level the playing field. Okay. Now, it seems the earliest ideas of this are basically... <laughs> And, and, and what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to get some pictures up on our Twitter. Oh, sure. Because the drawings from this manual are fantastic. Okay, so picture this. Mm-hmm. You have your man and you have your woman. Yep. They're basically dressed in leotards <laughs> with masks on. Okay, so like kind of modern fencing gear, I guess. Kind of, yeah, actually. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't even thought of that, but yes. The man... Oh, and they're both in a ring. Okay. Like... In this case, it's a sort of octagonal ring, a bit like MMA. <laughs> nice, nice, good. Now, the man is in the centre. Okay. And he is standing in a hole. Okay. <laughs> the man is armed with a club. Okay. <laughs> the woman is out of the hole. Right. And free to move around the ring. She is armed with what amounts to a large sock with a four or five pound stone in the end of it. Um, okay, okay. So, first of all, the first thing that comes into my mind is Scott of the Antarctic. Oh my god, yes. From, um, Monty, from Python. Monty Python. Just like the whole idea of the, the man being like in this little trench. Oh no, no, she's in the oh, trench. Oh yeah, she's in the trench. He's on she? a box and yes. she's in a trench. But yes, it is a reversal of that sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah, the idea is that if the man is allowed too much freedom in the fight, he will easily overpower the weak and dainty woman folk. So, well, especially because she's got, like, a brick and a sock to defend herself with. I mean, to be fair, if you've got a static target, yeah. that's not a bad weapon. That's, I suppose that's true. <laughs> it's just a sort of sling that you can just smack into his face. But, okay, but I've also got to point out that... Okay, so, granted, men are physically stronger than women, mm. generally. But... This was also at a time when women did a lot of hard physical labour. Yes. So I'm wondering if Hans was spending too much time with, like, I don't know, merchant class people where the women maybe weren't doing so much manual labour? I think he was. And I've got a specific reason for that, which is actually based on a modern source. But we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Mm. So you've got your basic idea. Yeah. But, of course, you can't just have... Two people, one in a hole, battering at each other. They've got to be some extra rules. Okay, fine. So, the rules are essentially the man has to stay in the hole. Okay. If he's given, he's given three clubs. What? Okay. He can use one at a time. Mm-hmm. If he touches the sides of the hole, then one of his clubs gets taken away. <laughs> so, the man has to stay very still... Elsewise, he's going to lose his weapon. Why is this like a video game where you've got a certain number of lives? It really is. So for the woman, she has, in turn, three 
bricks in a sock basically okay, yep. um and if she strikes at the man while he's having one of his clubs taken away yeah she loses one of her socks with rock okay <laughs> okay now i it's a bit hard to tell exactly how the duel ends some places i read were basically like these were to the death other places i read these were like the man could win by pulling the woman into the hole. Okay. Or the woman could win by pulling the man out of the hole. Which seems okay. a lot harder on her than him. It does, it does. Gravity's working against her there. Yeah, right? Um, there are also some ideas that there may have been a sort of scoring system, a bit like boxing. Well, I mean, okay, so presumably once you've run out of your clubs or bricks in socks, then, like... Well, you could employ things like chokeholds. Oh, okay. And you were... I don't know if you were allowed to, like, strike, but you were definitely allowed to grapple. There are bits of this manual where you can see uh, that he or she has the other in a chokehold. And there's one picture where the woman... (laughs) The woman is choking the man and pulling him out of the hole. And let me just get up the actual wording of this, because, like I say, these are captioned. Yeah. And people have translated them. Okay. Um, so let me just find the exact one I was thinking of. Man, there are some great pictures in this. Die hat sie in gefasst bei dem Haus und bei Sinem. Sog und will in uns der Gruben sehen. Here, she has grabbed him by the neck and by his member. Oh, what? And wishes to drag him out of the hole. So yes, indeed, you are able to grab a hold of your partner's gentleman's area Mm, okay (laughs) Um, I feel like that does leverage an advantage if you're trying to drag someone out of a hole (laughs) so yeah like losing your weapons did not completely incapacitate you but you know what you don't want to be unarmed against a man in a hole with a stick or unarmed in a hole against a woman with a brick in a sock yeah okay okay so was the point of this to say that you know if if it's the woman who wants to get a divorce and she managed to get the husband out of the hole, then the, then they get divorced? Mm-hmm. Or um, is it like sorting out the, their stuff? Or what's, what's so the purpose? So it's a bit vague on that front. Okay. Uh, it's a bit vague on a number of different fronts for a reason I'll talk about in a sec. But generally it seems very much that it obeyed the general rules of trial by combat. So it's whoever's position... Whoever won, basically, God was on their side and all their claims... uh, Demands? Demands were upheld. Okay. So I think if we're talking about it in practice, like if you're thinking about it objectively, you can kind of go, well, why couldn't someone just demand that, you know, they give me everything and, you know, Mm. they get nothing? But, of course, you have to remember that this has gone through the court proceedings beforehand. Yeah. So I think this is at a point where it's like... We need an absolute final sort of coin toss. But instead of a coin toss, you dig a hole. Yeah. Put a man in it. Yeah. And <laughs> let them beat each other with blunt instruments. Do you think that some modern divorce lawyers wish that was still a thing? Well, this was part of the problem, actually, in researching this episode. Because there, I had a few questions about this. Yeah. Um, particularly about the idea of it being to the death. Because I saw some people saying that Essentially, regardless of the outcome, the loser was killed. 
Okay, well then, yeah, of course you'd get everything that you wanted in well, the... Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I couldn't actually find any really reliable sources attesting to this. Mm. I, I have to admit, I'm not sure this ever really happened. I think it was written about but never really taken seriously or performed. Okay. It's, it's very hard to find any evidence. And this goes back to what I was talking about where you mentioned modern lawyers... It's hard to find out stuff for this episode because earlier this year, this was back in January of 2020, there was a man in America who tried to get the courts to allow trial by combat for him and his ex-wife. That's incredible. Did his ex-wife want to do it too? I have no idea. I I, I think I read that he had like a collection of katanas. Oh my God. Oh no. I I think that tells you all you really need to know about this guy. It really Um, does. Yeah. Oh. I'm sorry to any katana owners out there, but if you've got a collection... And you want to do trial by jury. Yeah, trial by, trial by combat. combat. Yeah, yeah there's, you, I think we can make some pretty pretty strong judgments about what sort of person you are. Mm-hmm. Um, but aside from that, aside from that, it made it very difficult to actually find out information about this, which is why I don't think this really ever actually happened. Okay. But despite the fact that I can't really find much evidence of this happening, like of any particularly interesting cases of it or anything like that, it is feasible from a sort of logistics perspective that this could work. Now, there is a reenactment group that set up a marital trial by combat. Okay. And they have a YouTube video, which again, I'll probably get posted on our Twitter. Mm Mm-hmm. Where, first of all, they demonstrated various scenes from the manual and how they would play out. Mm. Uh, For example, there's a bit where the man is in the hole with the club. He strikes out. The woman strikes back, but gets her sock wrapped around the stick so he can pull it out of her hands. Yeah. Um, But they also, halfway through the video, they're kind of like, okay, so we've shown you everything that like not everything but some of the scenes from the manual now we're going to have a mock duel okay and quite frankly looking to it from a modern perspective it very much favors the woman yeah (laughs) because she can move around you know and i think what you talked about a while ago about hans tallhofer spending too much time around noble women i think that's absolutely right Mm. because if you're talking about this in the peasantry class then the women are going to be working just as much as the men yeah. and on the same sort of diets. So you're basically going to have people who are roughly as strong as each other. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the thing was that peasants generally, in, pe- in peasant households, unless they were quite wealthy, the hmm. women would work in the fields alongside men yeah. as well as doing stuff like the washing. Yeah. And if you've ever seen the way that people used to have to wash clothes, it is intense it's possibly going to build even more muscle than doing things like (laughs) plowing to be honest yeah so i think this is why all these rules were put in place i think it was this kind of sexist and uh classist idea Mm -hmm. at the time that women had to be given all possible advantages because you know they were too weak and feeble this sort of sexism is not relegated to just history like modern historians have this tendency to really go in on the fact that, you know, ah, the woman would be much weaker sort Mm -hmm. of thing and do seem to completely ignore what we've been talking around with the fact that, you know, peasant women can beat the shit out of you. Yeah. Yeah. I think 
Okay, so the thing is that, yes, we can acknowledge that women are not as strong as men generally, but we have also talked about WWE a lot, yeah. and they did do that one match mm. between who is the very strong lady? Oh, Nia Jax. Yeah. Yeah. And it was Nia Jax and... I mean, there was the bit where she was in the Men's Royal Rumble. Yeah, that was it. And Randy Orton RKO'd her. Yeah. Um, but you could see that she oh, was, no, like, yeah. on relatively equal terms. Yeah. Granted, she is kind of an extreme example, yeah, but so these, are the men. I mean, yeah, and, and these are obviously staged, but I guess the point you're making is it doesn't look out of place. No. And also, like, this is one of these things that... I think that if you're looking at it today, obviously, mm -hmm. you're not going to say that someone like Ronda Rousey is going to lose to any given man on the street just yeah. because they are a man. Like, people go and do this sort of thing professionally, which means that they're getting, like, the right diets and mm. the right exercise and all the training and everything. So this idea that, you know, women are inherently inferior to men in terms of combat is based on i think a very overgeneralized idea about differences between the sexes like obviously there mm. are going to be slight differences and you can look at things in general but come on guys just and also <laughs> you can't <laughs> you can't base ideas on what strength what strength differences there are between men and women on modern men and women exactly um, yeah so we know, for example, that men have a tendency, if they go and work out, to do weights more than mm. women are because for a long time women have been discouraged from bulking up their muscles. Yeah. We also know that in the sort of 15, 1400s, mm -hmm. um, there was a distinct lack of protein in mm. the peasant uh, diet. I mean, mostly bread. I read something. <laughs> I read something that suggested that, given the amount of work that they did on an average day, a medieval French peasant would have eaten four thousand calories per day, but it was almost entirely bread. I mean, that is crazy. Mm. The historian I was reading about, like that about at the time, suggested that this was one reason why people were so susceptible to the plague was because ah, they didn't right, have yeah. enough different nutrients in their diet. They were literally, it was bread. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, and also there are these descriptions um, of what the French peasantry used to look like. And I'm mm. aware we're actually talking about the Germans and it's a little that's later fine, on. That's fine, that's um, fine. But the French peasantry were described as being very, very small compared to the nobi nobility mm. because of this distinction in their diet, we assume. Yeah. Um, so much so that one of the medieval... Um, one of the medieval writers who was like uh, keeping records on all of the kings he was looking at used to describe the peasantry as if they were a completely different race. Oh, wow. Because he saw them as being a different skin colour. Yeah. Because they were tanned. Um, he saw them as being a different size and a different shape. So mm. he kind of describes them almost as if they were a different species. Yeah. So I think what we can kind of take from this is that Hans Tollhofer had like some interesting ideas, but his particular idea of like how these husband and wife duels should mm. go was very much based on his class at the time. Yeah. Is it possible that people were reading these dueling books sort of as a form of entertainment? Quite possibly. I mean, as I, as I said before, they're mostly just pictures with captions. Mm. And obviously, if you've got a class of people who are 
not likely to be literate, mm. then these can still be quite entertaining. Yeah. Especially if you've got a woman choking a man and pulling him out of a hole by his penis. Absolutely. <laughs> the reason I was thinking about this was because um, I know that there was in Tudor times in England mm-hmm. a manual instructing people on how to swim. Okay. Because not many people did swim yeah. at the time or could swim, um, including a lot of sailors in Tudor times, actually. Oh, no. Um, that, that could lead to some hilarious and unfortunate happenstances. I, so, complete discursion here, but I was reading the Black Tudors book that yeah. I've commented on before, and it was talking about the fact that um, because so few English, soldier, English sailors could swim, mm-hmm. and this was a really big disadvantage, they would often hire... Uh, black sailors because in Africa people learned how to swim Ah. and so it wasn't seen as like it was seen like they were really skilled and they had this skill that no English sailor had right but I digress anyways so this uh, swimming manual is interesting partly because you start off thinking this is going to be useful instructions on how to swim and it is Mm -hmm. but it also starts telling you about tricks one can do while swimming so there's this um there's this diagram of a man cutting his toenails while swimming (laughs) and and all these like wild things one could do yeah so it's clear that while it is meant to be practical um to an extent there's also some which is just like entertainment it's like a vaguely educational webcomic yeah (laughs) oh brilliant so i'm wondering if the same thing's happening here with the description of these like divorce yeah, fights. Yeah, that like, would make a lot of sense and would explain why, you know, we don't really have much record of this actually happening because mm. this could just be an amusing part of a, like, rest of the more serious journal. Yeah. It's a bit like, um, it's a bit like when you get uh, clowns in a circus sort of breaking up the acts, as yeah. it were. Um, now, the idea of these uh, conjugal duels, we could call them. (laughs) That sounds quite funny, though. (laughs) Yes, it is quite good. Uh, There is some idea that they may have evolved over time, which does lead me to think that maybe they did happen and maybe they weren't just sort of like show things because they got got pretty brutal. Okay. So later on, this is... Admittedly, this is just the work of one historian. I haven't been able to verify it. Okay. Um... But this person described that a later version of the conjugal duel basically had husband and wife given a sword each. Nice. Stripped naked and told to have at it. Okay. Which... What era is this? I don't know. Okay. Uh, I believe it is around the 17th or 18th century. Okay. Okay. Um, possibly later on as well. Uh, but yeah, uh, as we get through time going on, mm-hmm. then more and more blatant sexism begins to emerge. And some of it is like the benevolent sexism where it is like, oh, we must protect the women. And so we do not allow this sort of thing. Of course. Or it's some pretty horrific stuff, such as the work of Charles Harper, who wrote The Revolted Woman... Uh, where he okay. extols the virtues of a husband being really violent towards his wife because, yep. you know, puts her in her place. Well, it's important for us lady folks to know, like, the right way to behave and you've got to teach us that through beatings. Oops. Yeah. Yeah. So, quite frankly, if it's a choice between man in a pit with a club, mm-hmm. woman on the outside with a sock and a brick... Mm-hmm. 
or Charles Harper harkening back to a time where a man could beat and kill his wife for no other reason than he wanted to because, mm. ha, God, f*** women, am I right? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the pits. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Okay, so you go get a shovel. Ah, uh, yeah, I'll get the shovel. Uh, you can take one of my socks because um, my socks are larger, but I always destroy my socks. Yeah, they do have holes in them. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Hmm. We'll have to work this out. We will. Maybe oh, hiking socks. Hiking socks so we can get some tights or something. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Give a certain springiness to the occasion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's raining at the moment as well. I'm not really fancying digging a hole. Well, we've got to get this dispute over with. <laughs> what dispute? You just told me to get a shovel. I don't know. The dispute is that you haven't got a shovel yet. <laughs> okay, so I think we're going to kind of wrap it up there. It's a bit of a shorter episode, but, you know, sometimes that's just how it be. I wanted to talk about German wife dueling. Um yeah, it was it was a really interesting thing that I'd never heard of before. <laughs> to the extent that Barnaby came to me and said, "How much do you know about me- about medieval German, medieval German divorce dueling?" Medieval German divorce dueling. And I just looked at him like, "Is that something I should know about?" <laughs> it sounds like something I should know about, but I've never heard of it. You know what? This would actually this could have changed history if this was more of a thing. How much more entertaining would it have been if Henry VIII mm. got rid of Catherine of Aragon, not by basically splitting the church, but instead by just standing Dueling in a her. pit and having her beat him in the head with a rock? <laughs> <laughs> it would have been more interesting for everyone. Yeah. Ah, oh, well, trial by combat. We hardly knew you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so thank you very much for listening to that episode of That Time When. Uh, thank you to Kevin McLeod for our theme tune, Anachronist, and any other music that I've put in here. Uh, if you would like to follow us on uh, Twitter at That Time When 4, and if you want to give us, a, uh, give us a little shout out on there, if you leave your username in, then we'll give you a little shout out on the program. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Also, you'll get to see all the pictures of wives um, <laughs> throttling their husbands and their husbands' genitals. Yeah. So, you know, a fun time for all. Absolutely. If you have any ideas that you'd like to send into the programme, then you can email us at ttwpod at gmail.com. And as usual, whatever device or like service you are listening to this on, Spotify, SoundCloud or Apple, if you could just follow us, that would be great. That would help us out so much. So, so thank, thank you. you. Oh, <laughs> jinx. Uh, so thank you for listening and we will see you next time.